studying on a series and I'm going to wrap it up this evening. Tomorrow morning I'm planning on teaching a couple of other lessons that don't have to really do with Christian growth or um, how to the basics and how to grow from them. We've talked about faith, we've talked about God, we've talked about prayer. We have talked about a lot of things that are very basic to our Christian life. And tonight I want to finish that up and wrap things up, if you will, with a, with a statement. You know, I don't believe the church is going to uh, fail in certain places because I think I've seen the church be very active and it's growing, especially among some of the zeal of some of the churches in different areas. It's very exciting to watch the church grow. Um, I, I was very, very excited about the churches in Bangladesh and in northern India and what's going on there, the churches in uh, other places. But then there are churches in some places where it's going down. We have a lot of brethren in Africa, but we have a lot of brethren in India. But in India, some of the COVID is really hurting the church there, by the way. Uh, we need to continue to pray for, for those brethren. Uh, the church in some areas are, is growing old. In other areas, it's being renewed uh, with, the, with the younger generation. And I think that's, that's really great. Um, it's kind of uh, anxious for some of us to come out of COVID and see the congregations and restructuring. We, we told a lot of our members uh, there at Whispering Pines to find if they were older and, and had compromised immune systems to find smaller congregations. And so a lot of them went to smaller congregations. But the growth has been amazing. Some of them have gone to Sentinel, Oklahoma, Washington, Lexington, other places. I know you probably don't know some of these places, but they've really been a blessing in that area. And the church is stronger than ever. And now we're kind of coming back together and some people are stir fearful and some of our older people are steer fearful. I can't even believe I can't say that. Steer fearful. Still <laughs> fearful. But uh, we're, we're going to survive some of these things and yet be prepared for the future. Hopefully we look forward to the day when we will no longer have to fear any uh, of the, the um, problems of the flesh and that come with the flesh. But one of the things that is common in every area is that sometimes there are great works and you think they're going to survive for generations and they don't and others are small works that continue on and on and on and on and they just keep going. There's several congregations in the south. Uh, Harrodsburg, Indiana is one of them that have been there over a hundred years. And you look at other congregations that have been there even longer and you are amazed and you go, wow, I hope our congregation goes that long and I hope it continues on. What's the difference? What is those essential things? Well, some, several of us, brethren, a few years back got uh, together and not only studied that, but looked at some of the research that's being done by uh, Barnet and others. And we um, were very interested, excuse me here. We were very interested in those things, qualities, which made churches succeed. And one of the things that made churches succeed, basically, is tenacity. And I'm, I don't know if you use that word all the time, but sometimes it just means holding on. It just means just, just holding on, just with the strength of not necessarily grow, going up, but just holding 
holding on, patience, endurance, and, and accomplishing that. And there's a reason for that. I believe that's an obedience to God's will. In Hebrews 10, if you please turn again, we're going to use this passage to kind of reduce our thoughts again tonight. In Hebrews 10, in verse 24 and 25, here a passage that we often quote, encouraging one another to be faithful in our attendance. But in Hebrews 10 and verse 24, it's, well, verse 23, let us hold fast. Now that's what he's talking about, is holding on. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now this is one thing it takes to survive to the next generation. It takes tenacity. He says, I want you to hold fast to the confession of our hope. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. In other words, some have uh, made a some have forsaken it, some have made a habit of forsaking. And he said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to have a habit of assembling. Notice it is a habit encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Just how to stimulate one another to love and good works. I think that's the qualities. Whenever we studied in Columbia, Missouri, we got together, we really focused on some of this stuff, and we said, what is it? What are qualities of growing churches, of churches that have survived a long time? And one of them is that verse right there. He says, a church where everyone thinks of how to encourage each other how to build up one another, how to concern, be concerned about one another and, and make sure that their spiritual needs are felt. Because whenever you take care of everybody else's spiritual needs, they are, they are encouraged to imitate your behavior and think of your spiritual needs and how can I build you up, you know? If you're sitting there whining going, nobody comes and talks to me, do you go talk to anyone? I think it's a very straightforward question. Do you set the proper example of behavior that it, that you want others to emulate? Well, so it is with the church as well. My friends, if the church, if all the rest of the church were as evangelistic as you, had the heart of you, had the friendliness of you, had the love that you have, what would the church be like? It might be really great. It might be wonderful. But the thing is, is we really do need to focus sometimes on what we bring to the table. What do I bring? And I need to think of one another in the one another way, so to speak. Well, let us not grow weary in doing good. Now, in this passage, we find the Holy Spirit is teaching the churches of Galatia, which uh, were in the middle of, of Turkey. They were suffering persecution in, in the area that we now know of as Turkey, not in the middle of a Turkey dinner, but... He said that in this area, he said, I want to build you up. I want you to stay faithful. And notice what he says here in Galatians 6. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, once again, let us not lose heart. Or I'm reading from New American Standard. Let us don't grow weary. Lose heart is a figure of speech. When someone has heart trouble, they usually lose energy. And so he says, I don't want you to lose your energy. I don't want you to lose your vitality. I don't want you to die spiritually just through through growing weary. But he says, don't grow weary. Notice, how, how does he do this? Notice, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if 
we do not grow weary. Now listen to the next verse. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Why should I do good unto all men? That seems like an exercise of futility. Why should I, why should I act caringly about somebody who's out of the church? It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It matters a lot. As the old adage goes, whenever it comes to personal evangelism, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. They don't care what you know until they know that you care, that you mean business, that your faith is sure. And when, a lot of times the Bible tells us to be zealous for good works. Good works are temporal works. Sometimes it's just helping them move. Sometimes it's just helping do this or that. It's strengthening them. Sometimes it's just giving them a call. Sometimes it's just praying with them, doing different things. But you're going to go, wow, that's a lot of busyness. That takes a lot of energy. Yes, it does. But you've got eternity to rest. Let us labor while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. We're supposed to labor while it is day, while we have time, while we have opportunity. My friends, this is the only time we've got in order to serve him is these few short years. And I can give those in exchange for eternity and the grace of God? Absolutely. What a bargain. What a deal. I can never purchase it. But the least I can do is offer God service. As we talked last night, worship and service. That's the least I can do. And so he says here, listen, don't be deceived. Uh, well, he goes on to talk about we reap what we sow. Uh, God is not my lotus. Verse 7. Go back up to verse 7. Galatians 6 is a great chapter, by the way. Notice, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. In due season you shall reap. For one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Why? Because there's something that comes from it. If you do grow weary and you quit, you're not going to be sowing any seed. You won't reap any reward. There's nothing that's going to come from that. So while you got a life, spend it for something that outlasts it. As one writer said that has inspired me so much, find something worth dying for and then live for it. That's wonderful. Find somebody worth dying for. Would I die for Jesus? Yes. Then live for him. That's what a living sacrifice means, is living for him. And so as Christians, these words are important. Because the church doesn't lack a whole lot of knowledge, but sometimes we lack a whole lot of activity. We lack a whole lot of reaping, sowing. We lack a whole lot of doing those things which are good. He tells us here, do in due time we should reap if we don't grow weary. Verse 10. Read verse 10 again. <coughs> Look at verse 10. Notice. So then, while we have opportunity... Let us do good unto all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. He's not just saying just do it to Christians. He's saying do it to everybody. Anytime I have an opportunity to do good, I am giving glory to God, and people are going to want to know my motive. 
And if it's by faith, just say, I can only serve him while I'm here for a short time. You need to serve him too. And when we give a cup of cold water in Christ's name, they may not know our, they may not know our name, but they may know his name. When I help somebody change their tire, when I help an old people down the street mow their yard, I, there's all kinds of things we can do. And I encourage you to do those things, and the church will gain a great reputation, and the faith will be well spoken of because of the nature of our faithfulness and our love for one another and for others. God so loved the world that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. We can behave the same way. We can walk, look out for those who really don't care for us. So then, let us not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. If there's one thing I can say, I know your knowledge is great, but the church doesn't need more knowledge. It's got a lot of knowledge. What it doesn't have is a lot of good works. It doesn't have the faith verified to the community around it, the interaction, the people that be Christians. They don't know that we're Christians often because we don't try to seek that which is good. You know, the, we understand that a lot of times, and this has to do with our friends and, and even fellow Christians, that sometimes we get fatigued, literally. We diminish our ability to cope with stressors in a healthy way, and our inability to cope with stressors disrupts our sleep, uh, disrupted sleep, increases fatigue, fatigue, and this has becomes a, a cycle. It becomes a cycle for us. We all know that. And we all get run down. And we say, you know what? I would do more if somebody else would just encourage me. I need to encourage others because somebody is waiting to work until I encourage them. We don't like to do things by ourselves. I don't know about you. I don't like to do things by myself. In fact, if I need to work on something, it'll basically go undone until somebody says, let's do this together, let's get this. And then I go, okay, let's, we can do this together. I'm one of those people that are inspired by somebody helping me. Why? Because if I did it by myself, it would take five times as long as normal. <laughs> I would need to go to the store 16 times. And, and I, it just takes a long time when I do it by myself. It's nice whenever you do it with somebody, isn't it? Why do you think God gave us congregations? He doesn't make our faith really personal faith any bigger. But he knows we need encouragement from each other. And so we, we encourage one another. We help block fatigue. We help enjoy. We start enjoying that more activity. There's one of my favorite verses in the book of Psalms. Well, in the book of Proverbs, excuse me, Proverbs 24, 12. Well, all of Proverbs is really good. Read your proverb of the day. Whatever day it is, read the proverb of that day. That's the way to do it. Read the proverb of the day. But he says, in all talk, in all talk, no, excuse me. <laughs> if I'm going to quote it, I better quote it right. In all labor, there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And I like that. You know, Reba quotes that to me on In all labor, there is profit. Over here, talk leads only to poverty. Well, that's true. That's so true for, for us. We need to actually do something. And so it is with the church. If every member would do, invite one different person a week 
to the activities of the church, to the worship, to study, it's going to have a consequence. It's going to have a result. We're going to reap what we sow. It is just that simple. The congregation where I go is fairly large, and the only program that we've had is everybody invite one other person a week. That's our only program. And it works. It works. Now, it won't do it if you have a bad attitude. <laughs> we have a brother that had a bad attitude. We had to encourage him a little bit because his attitude was, you wouldn't want to go to church, would you? But that doesn't work really well. <laughs> don't try it and then don't do the double negative. You really, you wouldn't want to go to church. We, that doesn't do good. You have to tell people why they should and what's there. So, we need to encourage people. We need to ask them to get going. Notice, brethren, if any man is overtaken in a trespass, Galatians 1 through 10, you who are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Now, this is a good work. <clears throat> when one of us is failing to do something or failing to accomplish something, isn't it good to be encouraged by someone else? Yes. It's If you're the weak one, you want to be encouraged. But whoever encourages, whoever, who do you encourage? Are you always a getter? Are you always a taker? Are you a user? Or are you somebody that really contributes to other people's spiritual growth? One thing that is helpful, and what I've often done, now this is the truth, guys, is I tell people to read a passage, and I'm going to come by next week and talk to them about it. It's wonderful. I don't just say, go read a passage. I go and tell them, I'm going to come by and talk with you about that. That's very simple. You plant a seed, you water it, you go talk to them about it. It works. Without faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So that's what we have to do. So when we restore one another, we plant seed. When we talk to one another, when we encourage each other, in a spirit of gentleness, that's right, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, talk to one another like you want to be talked to, encourage one another like you'd like to be encouraged. That's what you can do. Notice, bear one another's burdens and so, here's a big word, fulfill. Fulfill. That's a, look at that word. Fulfill the law of Christ. Wow, what a packed word. Let's unpack it. It's filled with Christian behavior when we think of one another. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. We can look for good works. We can ask ourselves, how can I help? Do you need a ride to the store? Do you need me to watch your kids? Do you need a date night with your husband or your wife? Do you need some time away from your kids? Do you need time with your kids? How can we help one another? Those are the things that we can think of, but we're not going to think of them unless we're thinking of how to help. How to help spiritually. And so, brother, this is what I'm talking about. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You can try to blame God on the culture and the reason why the church isn't growing and the reason why people aren't talking about spiritual things, but if you're not sowing the seeds, you're part of the problem and not a part of the solution. We have got to spread the gospel to one another. Talk about how Jesus makes your life different, better, it gives you hope and peace and joy. A joy that nothing else in this world can give. Talk about how thankful you are to know the gospel. 
How thankful you are to have a Bible when those in North Korea don't even have electricity, don't have a lot of things. Be thankful for what you have. I'm talking about tonight. There are people who can't get a Bible if they want, and you have one. Be thankful for that. Be thankful you can read it. If you have eyes to read, don't read the scriptures. What good is it eternally? We have a Bible. Listen, read, do something. Notice he goes on to say, but lest each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Everyone will bear his own load. What that, I think that what that says to me is, I can sit here and whine about how nobody's helping me, or I can get up and help someone else. I can help someone else get to heaven. Yes, we like people to hold our hand. Yes, we like people to encourage us. Yes, we like a lot of those things. What, if, if that's something you would like, don't you think others would like that too? Are you a burden or are you a spark plug? What are you? You know, I've known some people who aren't that bright in the church, but they have a bright impact on the church because they're always encouraging. They're always encouraging. One of the greatest impacts in my life as a young person was Sister Lampkins in my own congregation. She was old. I, I'm sure she came over on the ark. I mean, that lady was old and everything. But she loved the young people in our congregation. She did. She loved the young people. When Dale, my, one of my good friends in high school, bought a new motorcycle and he was excited by it, she was the first one that wanted to ride it around the block. And the rest of us thought she had slipped a cog. I mean, she was a nut. She was old and everything else. And one of the best memories I have as a young person is seeing all of her hairpins fly out of her hair. She went around the first curve there on the back of Dale's motorcycle. You know, I, I, she was old, but she was, she was fun. We, we, you might say, did she really want to ride that motorcycle? No. She wanted to encourage Dale. She wanted to say, it's exciting for you. It's exciting for me too. And you know, that's what we can be with one another. What's going on in your life? I want to enjoy that. I want to bear your burdens. I want to divide your burdens. And I want to multiply your joys. And that's something we can do with one another. We actually can build one another up. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. You start asking one different person a week to study the Bible with you or to come to worship. Sooner or later, somebody's going to say yes. Sooner or later. And it's usually the people you don't expect. It's usually the people you don't expect. Because God doesn't want you to judge the seed, the soil. He wants you to sow the seed. So just get out there and ask. And you'll be surprised. Somebody will look up and say, yes, I want to know more. I want to understand more. Notice, as he goes on to say, as we already read, those who sow the flesh from the flesh from the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life, reap everlasting life, and let us not grow weary. There's the whole point. I always want to encourage you to not grow weary. 
and doing good. That's the whole point. Well, let's look at some related passages right quick. 1 Thessalonians 3.13. Brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. It's almost the exact same passage, same statement. James, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Be patient like the farmer. And we can do that too. Do not fear those things which are you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you have tribulation ten days. Whoa! I thought this was going to be an encouraging verse. Now, some of you are going to be tested. But he says, no, be faithful until death and I will give you a crown of life. That's something wonderful. To really understand what life is really all about through even death, through what we die for, to show what is important. But whoever endures until the end shall be saved, Matthew 24 and verse 13, and shall enjoy their salvation. Luke 18 and verse 1, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. You ought to pray about that. Pray for opportunities. Pray for open doors. Paul said, I prayed, and there was a door open to us here. And that was something we have. Pray for open doors always. Did you know that we have an open door right now? Uh, if any of you know Romanian, we have some brethren who want to know the truth in Romania. So pack up your clothes. <laughs> Head open. There's people all over the world that want to study, especially if you know foreign languages. But we have to be faithful right here at home first before the Lord will do some great thing with us. Let's be faithful in the few things that God gave us. Let's be faithful right here, right now, today, this week. Let's be faithful to Him. Notice, I guess it lets you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Weariness defined by Thayer's says to be wearied out or exhausted. Sometimes we do grow weary and we get exhausted and we want to sit down. But that sitting down, that weariness is something that tired out is not, now I'm not talking about emotional things. I'm talking about the physically, sometimes we just grow weary. He says, faint not, why? Because we don't want to get faint hearted in our behavior. We need to measure ourselves. Measure yourselves. Ask yourself every week. And I, I don't know about you, but I usually do at the Lord's Supper when I examine myself. Have I spoken to someone about the Lord this week? Have I spoken to someone with them every day? Have I shared? Have I, have I left something undone that I need to get finished? It's those times that we spend in quiet meditation where we really get our, our, uh, our things, our new lists made and we're ready to be encouraged to do another week. Spiritually minded Christians can become weary and lose heart. Oh, there's many things that do that. Disappointments in our lives, frustration with brethren, uh, sorrow, anger, fatigue. All of these things can get a hold of us and they can weary us. But sometimes we do need to not allow them to overwhelm us. You know, I had some brethren come by about a couple weeks ago and help me clean up some property next door. And I said, all of these ugly, this, this bushy garbage trees, I want out of my front yard and out of next door. 
would you help me pull them? And he goes, oh yeah, I got a new bobcat. Watch what I can do. And he pulled up all of these trees and left them all over the place. And when he got done, he goes, glad I could help. And he went off. And I looked at my front yard and I went, wow. Now I've got to clean all this up. And that was almost overwhelming. It was like, man, all of this, I've got to cut it up, put it in the burn piles. And it, it was almost overwhelming. I literally was overwhelmed. I said, what am I going to do? And some brother and a couple of brothers came over. And they said, okay, we're ready. Let's, let's see if we can do it. And within one day, we had them cut up and then burned pits and everything else. And I said, I am certainly glad you guys came over today because I was overwhelmed when I looked down the prayer. I said, this is not going to happen. I'm going to die before this is cleaned up. And they helped me. They got that done. Well, how many of us need that from each other spiritually as well? We do need that for each other. And so don't let this, this stuff, the flesh, get a hold of us. Now, sometimes our physical flesh just gets weird. You know, we're, we're old. Some of us are getting old. Here's a little bear. Look, some of you are getting old. <laughs> now, what I mean by that is oftentimes we don't recognize what our physical bodies are doing to us. You know, I don't know what age you think you are in your mind, but every day you wake up and you think, man, I feel like 30 today. I feel like I, feel like I always felt. You know, I just feel young and I feel alive and ready to go, and then you walk by a mirror and you go, ah, who is the whole person? You know? And the mirror goes back, it's you. <laughs> your body goes, yeah, try it again. Just try it. I'm going to break your leg. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's going to wipe us out. And so sometimes we think we can do things that our bodies say, say are you serious? This isn't going to happen. Because our age. But then sometimes, sometimes that's not the reason why things remain undone. It's because we just don't think about getting it done. We just think of putting it off because we've got more enjoyable things to do, more pleasurable things to do, rather than more important things to do. It's important to save our friends and family as best we can. It's important to study and share and confess the name of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to pull, the pull of the world is something that we always have to push against. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life uh, were experienced by Lot. He got into a situation where he was not spiritually where he ought to be. And he had to get out of there. He thought he could change his environment. He found out now the environment changed him. Is your environment overwhelming to you? Joseph, others, Demas left me. After being with Paul, can you imagine traveling with Paul and then being tempted to go back into the world? Demas did. Wonder what it was. He didn't have his mind on the right stuff, I can tell you that. It wasn't where it should have been. And so it is with us as well. Things that the Lord requires of us in spiritual fatigue and battling opposing forces and guilt of negligence, whenever we get all these things and they get overwhelming to us, the Lord wants us to do something about it, to fight against it, to take a deep breath and say, I am going to be better in the future than I have in the past. The sorrow over unfaithfulness of a loved one is something that can really knock the wind out of your spiritual sails. 
really can. It can it can burden you. It can get you down. Try as hard as you may. You can't control others, though. Truth is, you can't force somebody to be saved if they don't want to go. If they don't want to go to heaven, you can't force them. All you have to do is say, God, please work in their life. And I hope you have someone you're praying for. Lord, please work in that person's life to bring them back to you. Because I, there's nothing I can do. All you can do is work in his life. Remind him of things that are important and eternal, things that are eternal. There's a great frustration, hurt, so and hardship and loving. All of your efforts are rejected by a loved one. Oh, yeah, it grows weird. My son, when he fell away, and my son is still falling away, has st- is still away, although he's spiritually better than where he used to be. That just knocked me for a loop. For a couple of years, I really struggled with what I should do about that. And then I finally said, why does he have more control over my faith than the Lord does? And we need not let the things of this world control us more than God. Jesus is still worthy of service. And I had to get up and dust myself off and just start going again. And I want you to know it's 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 sometimes it's a tough thing whenever people that are important to us aren't faithful. But the Bible never promised us that everybody would be faithful. Have you been always faithful? No, sometimes we just need to recognize that happens. And yes, it may knock the spiritual wind out of your sails. You may say, man, if only they were still faithful. But the fact of the matter is, is you need to remain faithful even though they may not be. And so you need to continue on. One other thing that will bother us to get us down sometimes is bad attitudes in brethren. Sister Sourpuss. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that can get you down. Brother, brother Grumpy. Some of us are, are, are problems at that. Sometimes we can pessimist, be pessimistic brethren, and that's not good. Hypercritical brethren. I'm not talking about brethren who want us to do better and are willing to correct us. I'm talking about brothers that find no good. Find no good. One of the mistakes, listen up, parents, you know this to be true. I'm going to give you a a principle, and you tell me if this isn't true. If you want your children not to talk to you, just criticize them every time you open your mouth. If you do, they're not going to want to talk to you because they're going to hear criticism from you all the time. It's not a good, that's not a good uh, strategy. So what do you do? Well, you have to build up those things which are good and correct those things which are bad. You have to be balanced in that. You have to do both things, just like the Lord. The Lord builds up what he can, and then he corrects those things that need to be changed. And so he does it both. But there's one thing we trust in the Lord, and that he has our interest at heart. And when children trust that you have their interests at heart, then you'll be a successful parent. Because you'll see, they'll see change in you too. When you do the things that need to change, whether they're easy or hard, because the Lord is the Lord and He deserves the best. When they see that attitude in you, they will imitate it. The Lord's the Lord. But don't be hypercritical to your children. Unfaithful brethren, yes, apostates, hypocrites, unloving, and apathetic. They're all, you know what? We're always going to have those in the church. There's always going to be mature Christians and immature Christians. There's always going to be young Christians and older Christians. There's always going to be those 
that are loving and those that aren't. There's always going to be that. The Lord knew that. Which one are you? Are you apathetic or are you the spark plug? What are you? What do you bring to the, to the cause of Christ? What shall we do? Well, focus on pleasing God. Nurture our faith. Make sure it's strong. Strengthen our hope and practice love and doing what's best for others. My friends, I want you to write these down. I'm going to leave this up here just a little bit longer for you to take some notes. I want you to write those passages down if you can. I want you to remain true to use them to build a new strategy for how you're going to behave as a Christian. I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to do something about it. I'm not just going to hope. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to actually not grow weary in doing good. I'm going to focus on pleasing God every day because guess what? I've only got so many days. Lord, teach me to number my days. I've only got so many days that I can give back to God. And I'm spending that time a lot. I've got a lot of it spent down pretty good. But the whole point is I only have so much I can give to God. I'll do what I can. I'll serve him daily, serve him gladly, and sing him all my songs on here, but not for long, as that old poem goes. Well, the whole, the whole point is focus on pleasing God every day. Make sure he is the one that comes first on your list. Nurture our faith. Strengthen our hope. Build up your hope. Strengthen. Find you some good. There's a, a good study that's going on online with a brother from Kansas City on building up your faith. Um, I can't think of his name. I should have written it down. I'm not sure. It's on apologetics. Uh, the whole point I'm getting at is there are ways to build up your faith. Uh, evidence and demands a verdict. The newest version, the newest version, has been rewritten. Get it, read it. It's helpful to you. No, strengthen your hope. Practice love and doing what's best for others. When we do this, we will be accomplishing that. The Bible says there's a rest for the weary, and it's in heaven. It's not at church. There are some people that the best sleep they ever get is at church. <laughs> That's not the best. We find here is supposed to we come to get re-energized. There's a rest that remains for the people of God. That Sabbath rest, that Sabbath rest is in heaven. And that's something we look forward to. Wake us up. Pray that the Lord wakes us up. Notice that we don't want to be sleeping. Awake thou that sleepest, the scripture says. Wake up and do something about it. And do this knowing the time, that the time is high time to awake out of sleep. For our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the word of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. This is something you do every day. If it was against the law to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If it wasn't for the assembly of the church, take that out. If it wasn't for the assembly of the church, is there enough evidence in your life that you're a Christian? That's what I'm talking about. We need to live it. We should come to be energized, come to be edified, and go out to live it. Come to worship, go out to serve. That's if we serve one another. We do one another. We build up one another, encourage one another. Therefore, while we have opportunity, 
uh, this is too good, I'm in the Lessingers. I hope that you find this helpful. I hope that our series has been helpful. We sometimes just need to go back to basics. And what I'm asking you tonight is, what do you do the rest of the week that's for God? What do you do for Him? Sow the seed. Make sure it's regular. Make sure it's measurable. You know, every Sunday, think, have I talked to somebody, this person? Have I talked to any person? Make a list of people to talk to. And then check them off as you talk to them. Talk to them. Talk to at least one person a day would be great, but at least once a week. If we do that in due season, I'm here to tell you, brethren, listen up. In due season, you shall read if you faint not. Don't tell me it doesn't work. If everybody's at our home congregation, we have close to 150 people there. It's not because we're brighter. It's not because we're more... Uh, our singing is pretty good because we have Jeremy. Jeremy Scott goes to church there, and he keeps us on our feet. <laughs> but that's not the point. What I'm trying to say is the only thing that we practice is... We continually hold each other accountable and ask if we that week have talked to somebody about the Lord. And how did it go? We encourage each other. That works. That works. So make a commitment to yourself. I'm not going to let a week go by that I will not confess Christ to someone. I'm not going to let a week go by. If you do that every week of your life, somebody's going to be saved. Somebody's life is going to change. Somebody's going to go to heaven for having known you. It just will happen. Because we do what we sow. If you don't sow anything, though, you're not going to get anything. So, don't grow weary in doing good. And do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. If you need to obey the gospel tonight in your faith, repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. If you haven't, faith is necessary to please him, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. If you haven't repented of your sins, confessed his name before men, Matthew 10, 32, now's the time, opportunity. If you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, buried with him and raised with him to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 3 through 6, then why not now? Why not do it now? It's very simple. You need to do it. In order to be saved, we encourage you, do it now while we stand in the same place.